there's no aspect in your life that goes untouched when you skimp on sleep. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Today's guest is Julian Hayes, founder of The Art of Fitness and Life, author of the book, Body Architect, A Real World Guide to Ignite Your Fitness, Look Awesome Naked, Quiet the Inner Voices of Self-Doubt, and Design a Lifestyle on Your Own Terms. He has a weekly column in Inc. Magazine. He is also a frequent contributor to bodybuilding.com, Success Magazine, Entrepreneur, The Good Men Project, Mind Body Green, The Huffington Post. He has also been featured on Fox News, Business Insider, The Chicago Tribune, along with contributing columns locally to the Nashville Business Journal and occasionally appearing on television. Today, we will discuss sleep. We all know it. High-quality sleep is vital to both healing and sustained wellness. While the body appears from the outside to be still and inactive, sleep is a time when the body is quite busy. During the night, we restock our supply of hormones, process significant toxins, repair damaged tissues, generate vital white blood cells for immunity, eliminate the effects of stress, and process heavy emotions. Sleep is always the number one priority I address in anybody's healing journey. Sleeping soundly will increase motivation to make further lifestyle changes. Example, when well-rested, it is always easier to eat more healthy. Sleep is like nutrition for the brain. Most people need between seven and nine hours each night. Get less than that, and your body will react in ways that lead even the most determined dieter straight to Ben and Jerry's. Why? Because insufficient sleep impacts your hunger and fullness hormones, including two called grenulin and liptin. Grenulin signals your brain that it's time to eat. When you're sleep-deprived, your body makes more grenulin. Liptin, on the other hand, cues your brain to put the fork down. When you're not getting enough sleep, liptin levels plummet, signaling your brain to eat more food. Put the two together, and it's no wonder sleep deprivation leads to overeating and extra pounds. Then there's this cortisol spike that comes from too little sleep. This stress hormone signals your body to conserve energy to fuel your waking hours. Translation, you're more apt to hang on too fast. Sleep deprivation makes you metabolically groggy. The University of Chicago researchers say within just four days of insufficient sleep, your body's ability to process insulin, a hormone needed to change sugar, starches, and other food into energy, goes awry. Insulin sensitivity 
the researchers found dropped by more than 30%. Here's why that's bad. When your body doesn't respond properly to insulin, your body has trouble processing fats from your bloodstream, and so it ends up storing them as fat. Today's guest is Julian Hayes II. Julian, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Hey, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me here. It's great to be here. And also, thank you for your time in the service as well. Man, thank you. I'm glad you came on to talk about with me today. And um, thank you for taking your time. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into sleep, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I know that people struggle with sleep. And I know from my journey in the health coaching and functional medicine realm, it's one of the first things I go to to help people get healthy because without a good night's sleep, we're suffering. But before we get into sleep, tell the listeners a little bit about Julian Hayes the second and what you do and where you came from and like a brief flyover, please. So I'm an author, I guess to, I do a lot of things, but it can be summed up as a, being an author, a writer for um, a lot of publications such as Inc. And they all have a mission of, or the message to inspire individuals and companies to treat their health as an investment and not an expense. And so I do that through emphasizing sleep first and foremost. And then we look into the nutrition and the exercise and the psychology behind it as well. And a little bit about my background, I initially got started with exercise because of comic book characters. So I, I noticed that comic book characters are usually pretty fit. They have a good size of muscle on them and they seem to be smart. So that made reading and studying the sciences cool. And it also inspired me to not be 165 pounds anymore and to put some weight on, my, on myself. So that started the whole journey. And throughout college, that led me to doing uh, going to New York to do medical school. So I did medical school for a year in New York. And that's when my life you know, took a drastic detour. That I met a lot of artists and really random people because I'm from Tennessee. And New York is quite different from Tennessee, you know. So it's, a, <laughs> and so I've met, and so up there, I was just another person. Whereas in Tennessee, I was always kind of the quirky guy, the weird guy that's kind of out there in New York. You know, I met people that was like me, and I noticed that some of the people were combining multiple passions into their job. And, and they had a lot more freedom. And so that really stuck with me. And so toward the end of school, after that first year, I came back home and I decided that I'm not going to go back and that I'm going to pursue my passion of writing, which no one knew because I kept it to myself for nearly two decades. And yeah, so everyone thought I was a madman because you know I just all of a sudden said, I'm going to write. And so I just stuck with it and started writing health and fitness columns that no one read for quite a while, which is good because my grammar and a lot of other things was pretty bad, but, and it led me to here. So now I'm, in addition to the writing, I'm also now consulting with companies and doing trainings to inspire people at a hopefully bigger level to really use their health 
uh, treat their health as an investment and not an expense. And 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 to your point, if if the employees are healthy and happy, production's up. Yeah, yeah. So it, when you're looking at it from a, a a company standpoint, both the employers and the company are getting a win-win. Obviously, the company and for is getting they're saving they're helping the bottom line because people are showing up to work and in addition to that they're showing up to work energized and refreshed because a lot of times when people look at stats such as cost of absenteeism from illnesses they forget to also look at cost of presenteeism so people showing up to work but also being a little sick or not feeling as energetic as they should be in Nashville itself it's Around, I think the latest study I saw was like 500 million just when you combine obesity, hypertension, and um, diabetes just from the Nashville area. And if you look at the US level, it's in the billions. You know, sleep deprivation itself is, let's see, four, it's around 400 billion just for the cost of sleep deprivation to the US. That's a huge GDP. That's a huge, right. That's more than probably some of the the smaller countries in the world is even worth. You know, it's interesting because, like I said earlier, is uh, one of the first things I look at is the sleep when I when I go over an intake form, and I look at what the, where there's there a number of hours sleeping. Are they sleeping for a full night, or are they, you know, because a lot of people don't even sleep fully. So, and then when I do my consultation with a client, I usually we usually dig into sleep right away because it's important. And I know I'm a sleep, I'm a good sleeper. I've said this before in an episode, but if a tornado went through my apartment complex, (laughs) I would be in the, I would be on my bed in the middle of the tornadoes twisting around and still sleeping. That's how sound I sleep. That's impressive. That's impressive sleep. So yes, I can sleep pretty good myself. The only my problem was I neglected it because I thought I didn't need it. Yeah. I thought I could be I thought I could be part of the special one percent who could get by <laughs> without sleep. The superhuman. So, yeah, I thought I, I thought I was that. I thought I was like a, a an ex, a literal X Men. That because yeah. I think one percent of the population can get by on that that um five hours or less sleep. Wow. But, and we, I don't think they know exactly why, but some people are guessing that it's some kind of genetic mutation. Hmm. So um, I don't have that. So I have to sleep. Okay. We're going to dig into sleep. But before I do, I want to mention your book a little bit. I, I, had the, I read your book cover to cover. It's an amazing book. And I recommend anybody listening today, pick it up. It's well-written and very entertaining to read and, and you're a very articulate writer and thank you i, I couldn't put it down <laughs> i was like okay wait a minute this is good you know <laughs> so I, I appreciate the fact that you wrote it at a different level it's almost like you wrote this book for the reader and not just a writer yeah, it's it's um because I I think about the ultimate mission, which is to inspire the the everyday entrepreneurs, busy people out there who are trying to be the best versions of themselves in multiple facets of their life. They don't necessarily need the scientific jargon, so I'm not really trying to impress 
other health professionals or researchers or anything. I'm trying to help the everyday people. Right. And so it's it's two worlds. So yes, a little bit of the science is needed, but also you need to break it down to a level that they can understand. So oftentimes when I'm writing, I always think about the person I'm writing to. So I'm not writing to someone like myself or uh, researchers or people that I read and study. I'm not writing to them. I'm writing to almost like some of my best friends who do not read a lot of health and fitness information. And so the most health and inf- fitness information they see is probably headlines on Yahoo or commercials <laughs> on TV. So I, I need to think about that level and, and the, the, the wording that they do just so yeah. I can meet them at their level. Yeah, you attained that. You did a great job. I... So anyway, let's dive into sleep. First of all, why is sleep so important for us? Well, I guess a good place to start is to think about what is sleep. And sleep is a priority for our brain. It's needed so our brain can do the necessary housekeeping. Our brain is a very complex entity that does complex activities. And one of those that I think is pretty cool, which I just found out about, is how it removes waste and flushes out those toxins as we're sleeping. And some of those are the beta amyloid plaques, which are known for in the development of neurodegenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's. So that's a cool thing right there. But it's also, we need sleep for our brain so we can do high-level cognitive tasks such as learning, decision-making, reasoning, and other high emotional intelligence um, capabilities and factors. And when we go into that, so there's a couple reasons why there's a high cost of sleep and not doing that sleep is detrimental to our well-being in all facets. And I like to think of at first, I look at the premature aging. And so chronic sleep deprivation affects us at a cellular level. In particular, there's these things called telomeres. And these telomeres are a key part of the process for us because it ensures our DNA is accurately copied as our cells divide and reproduce. And so when we're born, our telomeres are at their longest. And throughout our lives, each time these cells divide, these telomeres are going to shorten. However, when we're not taking care of our sleep and also our nutrition and other lifestyle factors, these telomeres are going to shorten at a more accelerated rate. And so in hindsight, that's going to shorten our lifespan because these things are running out quicker right. from, from these basic lifestyle factors. Um, another good thing that I like to look at has to do with weakening our immune system. You know, There's countless research when it comes to the weakening of our immune system. Um, I think one study I remember off the top of my head is like people are three times more likely to catch a cold just from sleeping less than seven hours nightly. And, you know, there's a higher likelihood of metabolic syndrome just from sleep deprivation. And then one that is probably the most popular is weight gain. And it's a lot of times not for the reasons that people expect. You know, um, I'm sure you're familiar with this yourself is is some of the hunger hormones such as leptin and ghrelin and how that plays a big deal on our body. And, you know, it's helping. It's also 
sleep deprivation is leading to a sluggish metabolism. And then moving on down the link, moving down the ladder, you have our emotional intelligence and how not sleeping leads to our mood and our ability to empathize with others. So now this is also affecting the relationships in our lives as well. That's, that's going down from just not sleeping as well. And another popular one is the cognitive performance. So we're thinking about our reactions and our judgments and perceptions that is being affected. And an underrated one, the last one, but it's one of my favorites is leadership and showing up in life. And so when you're sleep deprived, obviously you're going to have a decreased attention and concentration and your development of insight and decision making is decreased as well. So, you know, whether you're a parent or a partner in your spouse or your manager leading people, that's going to be affected as well. And so you're not showing up in your life to your full capability. So there's no aspect in your life that is that goes untouched when you skimp on sleep. Right. I, I couldn't, when I was getting ready for this, I was thinking about some times back in the when I was in the Navy and we went like uns- insane long periods of time without sleep. And you start to lose, it's almost like you start to hallucinate. Yeah. It's like you start thinking things and, and or you just get really grouchy. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, we're out of sea and there's fights breaking out everywhere because we're all so tired, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing is, that's your, when you sleep deprived, there's less activity in your prefrontal cortex in your right. brain. So that's where our emotions are housed and our ability to make judgments. And so you're literally not, there's a shell of yourself that's being represented. Right. So of course you're going to be quicker to snap. Like uh, I'm sure for some of the the couples out there, when someone doesn't take out the trash and you're sleep deprived, it seems like a much bigger deal in that moment because you're already irritable from not sleeping. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's a funny thing. Cause even I noticed that I'm a little more snappier. Right. When I don't get my sleep, I'm just a little more impatient and, and almost a little bit of an unintentional douchebag just from, <laughs> just, from, right. just from not sleeping. Right, exactly. And you're 100% correct because you can, I can tell. And now stress has a lot to do with sleep, so, but we're going to get into that. How do we get a good night's sleep? What are the some things, you know, I know from a functional medicine standpoint that the gut has the gut health has a lot to do with making the things necessary to put you to sleep serotonin melatonin if your gut's not healthy a lot of times your serotonin levels are down and your mel- therefore your melatonin's down your penile glands isn't working correctly so that is something that needs to be addressed but also there's some little things that we need to be like to, to be addressed also. So let's start with how do we get, what are some of the things we can do to get a good night's sleep? Yeah. So I, I'm a fan of checklist, checklist and, and uh, systems. And so um, I like to break this down into, there's about eight key, eight key areas um, that, that sleep really affects. Okay. And so 
I guess the first one is when you're looking into sleep is it starts with a reframing of your attitude and mindset around sleep. So it's, it's seeing sleep in a new light. A lot of times we think that we can get by on sleep or like, I feel okay sleeping five, six hours a night. I can, I still get by. And I like to point out that there's a difference between getting by and just merely existing (laughs) and compared to thriving and really being a high performer by just getting a few a few more hours of sleep nightly. So there's a difference between existing and thriving. So a couple of things with that is to what I tell them to do is to as you're seeing yourself in a new light and I want I want them to visualize of how each facet of their life can benefit from getting more sleep and to really keep that top of mind. So when it comes time to maybe at night watching another show of or episode on Netflix or going to sleep, thinking about your goals and is that Netflix or is that sleep going to put you closer to that? So it's looking at sleep in a new light and also setting some rewards and goals for yourself for reaching your sleep milestones. And so, you know, whether you're a kid, as adults, we're still big kids. And so we like rewards. Um, in fact, I, I, saw a, I saw a study on obesity that saw that people who set goals, monitor their progress and rewarded themselves, achieved greater results. And while that study was on obesity, it's the same. Sleep is the same. You know, I always say there's a sleep epidemic, just like there's an obesity epidemic. You know, not to go off on a side tangent too much, but um, I think I saw on the CDC that the the South, you know, our areas right now, is the most obese area, but it's also the most sleep deprived area as well, which is, you know, they go hand in hand. Right. Number two on there is handling stress and building some resiliency. So a simple habit that people can do with in there is to develop a meditation practice. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Um, It's just finding a couple moments in the morning and preferably at night as well to just give yourself some silence to quiet your mind and get rid of all the chatter throughout the day. And... If you want to go a step even further, which has been shown in research to help, is to meditate and even think about your ideal environment. So it's it's creating your fantasy, if you want to call it as such. And that's going to help because it's creating more positive emotions and calming, which is going to help you as you're getting ready to go to sleep. And gratitude. So journaling is a good one also in this category. It's just for me, I write down three things I'm grateful for at the start of every morning. If I don't write them down, I at least recite them before I even get out of my bed. And then at night, I like to do a week, I like to do a a nightly review. So find three good things that happened during the day. That could be I had a good cup of coffee with a friend, I met a new person, or I had I did this thing at work, but just trying to create the most positive environment possible before you go to bed. And so number three is to create a sleep sanctuary. So a sleep cave, as some people call it. And so the first thing people can do is just make the room dark as possible. So get all artificial lighting out and minimize it as as much as possible because we do have those photoreceptors on our skin that picks up light. And that's different from 
lighting from like the moonlight. So that's a big difference there. So this is just artificial lighting. So an easy thing is to get some blackout curtains or and cover up your electronics and even get a sleep mask if you need to. Right. And another one is to sleep in cooler temperatures. So I I prefer 65 to 68. I like it cold. Um, I wouldn't go above 70 when you're keeping a cooler place. And that's because um, I, I saw a couple of research studies about this and is that that helps with your metabolism since melatonin is helping to modulate hormones such as leptin, ghrelin, and insulin. And through that metabolic process and the cooler temps, you're going to trigger more of the brown fat adipose tissue because it wants to help you maintain your core body temperature. So, and there's the white adipose tissue is the ones for like obesity and that kind of stuff. So in case those are, in case people are not familiar with the two types of fat out there, nutrition, as you mentioned earlier, huge connection between the gut and brain. And so, I mean, this is simple things like eating more leafy green vegetables is going to help because you're getting vitamin C, you're getting potassium, and you're getting vitamin B6, which helps with stress and it helps to relax you. And so tryptophan, I think that you mentioned or we talked about before the show recorded is good. And so where do you get that from? Well, you can get that from chicken. You can get that from eggs. You can get that from sweet potatoes, hemp seeds, and yogurt. And so that's good because that's a precursor uh, to serotonin and to sleep and all that good. I like this one. It's it's just eating some carbs hours before bed just so it it can have enough time to get my blood sugar back to its normal baseline level. But so when I mean carbs, it's because it's serotonin. And that's going to promote relaxation. So right. for me, I have a decent size of of rice. Usually, it's my dinner. Maybe some sweet potatoes or so. Okay. Um, before bed, and before bed is a couple hours before bed. So it's not like I'm immediately hitting the right. sheets after I eat. So that's good. And then exercise is the next one. That's number five. Exercise in the morning, preferably. Just because if you're looking from a circadian rhythm standpoint, cortisol peaks in the morning, melatonin peaks at night, and they have an inverse relationship. And so if you're exercising really late at night, close to bedtime, that's going to slow the production of melatonin because you're spiking cortisol. And so if at all possible, work out earlier in the day. Now I know some some of us, it's not possible. Um, so you got to do what you got to do, but you can at least still get some kind of movement in your day when you're working out in the morning. So even if you can't get to the gym, just doing maybe 10 minutes of body weight exercising is beneficial just to go ahead and get that cortisol up and to get your circadian rhythm in its normal ideal flow. And number six here I would call is the lifestyle habits. So reserve your bed for sleep or sex and nothing else. Just because it associates, your brain associates activities with doing certain things. And so you, you don't want to just start checking your balances, doing your work, <laughs> and all this other stuff in your bed. So you really just want to keep those two things associated with your bed. And for me, I also do give yourself like an electronic curfew at least an hour before bed, preferably longer, but let's be honest. 
it's really hard to go without electronics in this day and age. So there's a program called F-Lux, which is good for your screen. And it's free. It automatically dims your screens. So it reduces that bright blue light that could affect melatonin production. Moving beyond that, you can get some blue blocking glasses or install some low wattage yellow, orange, or red light bulbs. If you need some lighting at night, just to help, because that's better than the white and blue lights at night. And getting morning light is great. So finding a way to get some sunlight in the morning. And if you live somewhere that's cloudy all the time, first off, I'm sorry. <laughs> and you could, and you could, you could get a light therapy box. Uh, and so I, I, I've seen a lot of professional teams use something called a light book, which is which would be helpful. Right. And, um, and then um, number seven is for the people that travel. I know, I'm sure since you this podcast, a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners listen to this. And so one is not to get dehydrated, so that's a common cause of fatigue. And other one is light therapy. So once again, the light book, or there's something even more fancier, which is pretty cool. It's called a human charger. So it's like you put these headphones in and it sends light in and you use it for like 12 minutes. And it's what a lot of people do for light therapy. So okay. I, think it's, I think it's really big in the biohacking community. Yeah, I'm not, too, I'm not too into the biohacking community, but I really like this device. So it's really cool. Um, I think I was first introduced to it because someone was traveling to one of the Scandinavian countries and it gets dark really early. And so they used it around four so they could stay up a little longer and keep their circadian rhythm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because that light is going to... When you have light signaling into your body, when, when you're being exposed to a lot of light, you're signaling to your body that you need to stay awake. And so you're keeping that metal that melatonin down, right? And so that's what that he wanted to do because he didn't he couldn't go to sleep at five o'clock because yeah. that's yeah. And the last one is to you know use what we've mentioned so far and to develop a morning ritual and a night ritual or routine, I should say. You know, so your first hour of the day is very important, and your last sixty to ninety minutes before bed is important. And so those will be the eight core pillars that I would have someone look into and just um, use. And some people might struggle with stress. And so I would look there. Some people might need to fix their nutrition, but it's all those areas that really encompasses and affects our sleep. Yeah, I agree. And you know, a lot of people, including myself, keep their cell phone right next to their bed. Oh yeah. You know, I keep it there for the alarm, but I've kind of gotten away from that since I've got this Apple watch. Mm-hmm. And it now I don't have to worry about the the Apple Watch or it wakes me up now by vibrating, which is a, an awesome way to wake up. But you know, a lot of people have televisions in their bedroom, which you know we go to this create a safe haven to sleep. A television in your room is just like I've known people who fall asleep with the television and leave it on all night. And to me, that's just insane. Yeah, because even if it's helping you fall asleep, it's still affecting the quality of your sleep. So yes, the hours of sleep are important, but also important, it's getting quality sleep right. as, as well. And so that's, that's oftentimes something that we overlook. 
you know, and one of some of the things that uh, some of the other things like meditation. I have a friend who has a, a phenomenal uh, meditation podcast. It's called Meditation Minis, and she was on an episode. Uh, I don't know the episode number, but she was on one of my episodes, and she has a podcast called Meditation Minis, and it's geared towards the busy professional, where it's you know less than ten minutes. Perfect. So you just, and she guides you through it. So it's a self-guided. And then I have another friend that has one stress-free naturally with Ashley Pappas. Shell Hamilton is meditation minis, but they're excellent choices for somebody who is unfamiliar with meditation and not sure how to do it. But like you said, just get alone with yourself for 10 minutes, you know? I, I use meditation apps most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like them myself. And um, I use one called Simple Habit. And there's different topics within that app. So if you're, if you're, having, if you're having problems with stress, there's meditations on stress. If, um, if you need perspective on life, which I, I like to do sometimes, then there's meditations on death, which right. I use a lot because it really puts perspective on things. If there's things on fear and all sorts of things. So... The tool you use doesn't matter. What matters is the implementation that you're going to do it. Right. Some of the things that the the gut... First of all, a healthy gut creates serotonin, which is necessary to create melatonin. So a lot of people these days are on medications for depression, uh, ADD. Those are all uh, something we call SSRIs, which are serotonin selective re uptake inhibitors that screw with the serotonin production. So this is a touchy subject because there's a lot of people out there that are walking around depressed, ADD. You have to understand that a lot of that begins in the gut. Now, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not going to go there and I don't want to piss anybody off and tell them to get off their SSRIs, go throw them down the toilet. But you have to nourish your gut and take care of leaky gut syndrome or your gut. You have, your gut has to be healthy in order to make serotonin. And so this boils back down to eating you know, in, a, in a lot of ways because if your gut's not healthy, you're not creating serotonin, you're, which isn't creating melatonin, so you're not, your circadian rhythm is going to get all thrown off. And your cortisol levels, which are meant to peak in the morning and decrease at night, are going to get screwed up. So in saying all that, there are some supplements that I recommend. I want to dig into supplementation to help you sleep a little bit here. I don't want to go crazy on it because I don't want people going out and buying everything that I'm recommending and and emailing me saying, hey, I took 500 milligrams of of HTP5 and I still can't sleep, but I'm ready to kill somebody. So, you know, these are, these are things that are one of the newest ones. These are things that I, that, you know, between you and I, we can discuss that will help you sleep. So I'm going to let you go first. I have a few in my book, but I want you to tell me what some of the supplementations are things, things we can do uh, with food and We've already talked about look, carbohydrates like sweet potatoes at dinner, not right before you go to bed. But what are some of the things you use to help bio? This is 
this is a little bit of biohacking in my opinion, but helping you sleep. When it comes to supplements, I that's the last thing I do. And when I look into supplements, I'm usually looking into I go to supplements when I see that there's a deficiency or something or that we think there might be a deficiency in something. And off the top of my head, the first thing that I would think of is looking into magnesium. Okay. So magnesium is a very cool, very, very cool one that I love. And it's because it's in, it's involved with over, I think, 300 or 3,000 different reactions yeah, in the body on, on from a cellular level, which is cool. But it's something that a lot of us are deficient in. And especially if we're heavily into exercising a lot and we sweat a lot, then you have a good chance of being deficient in it. And it's important because it helps relieve you know, mild forms of insomnia right? due to it helping decrease the cortisol and relaxing your muscles. So that's, that's one that I would look into. If, and it's hard to get that in a sufficient amount just from food, food a lot of times. So that's one I would look into. Uh, magnesium, 85, I believe 85% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. It's a crazy amount. Yeah, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's, it's, it's up there. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and it's, it doesn't get a lot of press still, which is interesting to me. Right. Uh, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of other ones that I'm not going to go down that lane that gets a lot of rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, magnesium will be right. at the top of the list that I would look into. Yeah. And after that, I will look into vitamin D. Now, if you live in a sunny climate, you can just go outside and get vitamin D from the sun. And that's going to be your best source. And that's the body's preferred way to get it. However, if you live in a cloudy climate or you, get, you live somewhere that doesn't just routinely get a lot of sun, then I will look into vitamin D3 to supplement with. And just because it's, it's um, a lack of vitamin D has been associated with just excessive daytime sleepiness. And vitamin D also, you know, is involved with bone health and it's involved with our mood as well. And so it's, it's a, um, and it's really a hormone, you know, it is a hormone. yeah, yeah. And so, um, it's, it's, it's an important hormone that, that we need right. so that, that will be next in the list. And after that, I would look into, this is not necessarily a supplement, but I would look into chamomile tea. Okay. So I want to try the most mild and easiest things at first to see if someone can get better sleep before you hit the big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Before, yeah. Before you do that and chamomile tea, it's inexpensive and it actually works. Yeah. Yeah. It it works pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, as always with fluids, don't drink it right before you go to bed because you're going to probably wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night and have to use the restroom. So give yourself a little time and try that. And if you absolutely need to, then you can look into supplementing with a melatonin supplement. Okay. And that's if your circadian rhythm is severely out of whack, usually from like extensive traveling through different time zones and you need like a reset. Um, just don't continuously use it because I believe that that, you know, s- slows down the natural production of your body making its own melatonin, which you want your body to produce its own melatonin. So once again, that's an um, that's a, something that you use just for f- a few days, maybe, and then yeah. 
then get, wean yourself off of that. And the next one is some kind of light therapy, which I think is important. I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, big, I'm a big fan of that. So whether that's using like a light book, so like a little, it's like a little lamp thingy. Yeah, I was going to say, why don't you explain what a light book is? Because I'm not familiar with that either. Yeah, so a, a light book is, it's a little device that you use that you that you turn on in the morning. Okay. And it, it gives you bright light in the morning, which is going to signal to your body to start awakening, increasing the production of cortisol, lowering the production of melatonin. And, you know, that's going to help you feel more alert and optimistic. Okay. The day. And so this is for really important for people with the uh, seasonal affective disorder or something like that. Because okay. um, a lot of times, milder forms of depression. So milder forms of depression can sometimes be helped through basic lifestyle interventions, such as exposure to more light, exercise, and sleep. Because that, that's what helped me. So I did therapy for a few months and I didn't want to do any type of medications unless it was absolutely needed. Right. So I did things like the journaling, the meditating, the, the electronic curfew to get myself off of technology and then more exposure to light so that I did morning walks and I got my sunlight in and my exercise and my vitamin D and then the magnesium supplementation. And so that stuff kind of helped keep my mood in check. Right. Also this and sleep helps keep your mood in check for those with that um, have a propensity for maybe mood disorders or mood swings. And so, um, and th these are mild forms that I'm talking about here. So obviously if you have a high chemical imbalance, then yeah, you need to talk to more of a professional. Right. So these are all mild forms. Yeah, I, yeah, about would, here. yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so those are my five magnesium, vitamin D, looking to chamomile tea, melatonin, and then um, some kind of light therapy. But it's interesting because I like what you said about gratitude. Mm -hmm. I do the same. Th I started this habit about uh, three months ago. It's actually a book. I don't know. What, I have it on my desk, but I don't have it right now. And I gratitude, three things that I'm grateful for in the morning, three things I'm grateful for in the evening, and then write down accomplishments, three things that I'm thankful for or that I got accomplished during the day. Is that the five-minute journal? Uh, hang on a sec. Yeah, it might be. I think it might be something like the five-minute journal or something. It is called the self-journal. Oh, self-journal. Yeah, I know that one too. And one thing, this is another thing I do before I go to bed or be, when the end of the day is I write down, I plan out the next day before I, at the end of the day. If, when I'm ready to wind down, I write down everything that I have to accomplish tomorrow so it's off of my head and not going through my brain when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, because that helps because a lot of times we have trouble sleeping because we have, we have too much mental stuff going on in our head. Right. And so by you taking the initiative to write down what you need to do tomorrow, that's one less thing you have to stress about. And that's one less hurdle that you have to overcome when you're getting ready to go to sleep. Because a lot of times, yeah, sleep is mainly a problem of just feeling overwhelmed and just right. too much going on. And then you haven't developed an effective means to control that. The other thing is lavender. Oh, yeah. Aromatherapy, yes. Yeah. Aromatherapy with lavender or even sprinkle some lavender essential oil 
whatever your choice of essential oils is, there's a bunch of them out there. But just spray it on your pillow. Or I know when I work out uh, really hard and I'm sore, I make a Epsom salt bath and put some lavender oil in the bath. I know this sounds girly, <laughs> but it really helps relax you. Because Epsom salts is a form of magnesium soaking into your body. So the magnesium, and I want to watch what magnesium you're using too. Your magnesium citrate will give you a whole other level of that you don't want to go into when you're going to bed because it will give you shitty pants. It's like I... <laughs> because it does yeah. activate your ball movements very rapidly. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah. I, I use a glycinate, a magnesium glycinate, or uh, there's another one that I'll put in the show notes, but magnesium glycinate is, a, is my go-to for magnesium. Yeah. Um, and I just thought of this. Another cool thing that is totally random that I hope gets more popular is float tanks. And, yeah. And, and so, because there's a lot of magnesium in there because it's yeah. like a thousand pounds of salt. Salt. And it's sensory deprivation. So you're getting to really get in tune with your mental world and also find time for calm. And right. it's it's one of the best things. And I started using that um, during my brief time in therapy because it was recommended. So... Where did you you went to a facility to use it, correct? The float tank, yeah, yeah. yeah we have a, we have a float tank facility here, yeah. Okay. Because I've heard that there's one. I was listening to Ben Greenfield's show, and I heard there's one now available for the house. But that, oh, I yeah, know, you, yeah, you but can I know that. they're not cheap. No, they're not cheap, and I don't, I don't really need that in my house. Yeah, so I, I like I like going to the facility. Right. You know, all I have to do is show up. And jump in a tank. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'd like to try that out. Yeah, it's it's really beneficial. Uh I mean, it helped my joints too. Cause yeah, you know, I'm sure I, I, tra- I train pretty hard. So yeah, I feel like a new man. When you do try, give yourself a couple times because the first time may feel awkward just to be sitting in this little tube and and it's pitch black. Wow. And and um yeah, but it, it's uh definitely needed. Definitely something that that's I cool. highly recommend, and I'm probably going to write about it soon. That's cool. I, yeah. Uh, the other thing, yeah, that's I've never. I'm gonna. I'd like to try that out. Some other things that I have down to help you sleep: uh, magnesium, vitamin D is. That's another vitamin. That's another. Like you said, to your point, vitamin D is actually a hormone, but that's another one that most Americans are deficient in and cause a lot of problems. Is vitamin D. I like to use uh, that I've recently got into this is reishi mushroom. Mm-hmm. Reishi mushroom is a is a relaxes you. So a reishi mushroom tea to relax you, uh, you know, or put some, maybe put a scoop of reishi mushroom mushroom powdered mushroom in your chamomile tea. Uh, that's something that's not hardcore. Some of the hardcore things are melatonin. Uh, HTP5, taurine, L-tryptophan. But I'd recommend talking to a functional medicine practitioner or a coach before you do melatonin. If you're going to do melatonin on your own, I'd start with one milligram. 
I would start low. I wouldn't go go over crazy and do 10 milligrams of melatonin because you might, you know, 5-HTP, if you're doing antidepressants, please stay away from 5-HTP. But, I mean, there's a lot of good things on the market to help you sleep. I think sleep drugs themselves are countered like Tylenol PM and those are counterproductive in my opinion because they uh, affect the gut health you know but there's a lot of good things that we've talked about today to help you sleep better and I'd recommend picking up his book for sure it's the body architect a real world guide to ignite your fitness look I'm awesome naked who doesn't want that <laughs> Got quiet the inner voices of self-doubt and design a lifestyle of, on your own terms. Also check some of his articles out in uh, Inc. Magazine, uh, Entrepreneur Magazine, Success Magazine, The Good Men Project, Mind Body Green, The Huffington Post. Uh, but I think we've covered a lot here today, and I really don't have a whole lot to add. Do you have anything you want to add before we close this out? No, I, I think it's um, when when your listeners out there who are getting inspired to take charge of their sleep more, it's I don't want them to start off too big. Right. So it's um, it's great to start small and continually build that up, like and thinking in terms of like compound interest. So maybe it's in fifteen minute increments. So waking up fifteen minutes earlier going to sleep 15 minutes earlier and gradually building up on that. So don't necessarily try to make a huge three-hour jump in your sleep because that's, that's really difficult because you trained your body to sleep at this time and now you're trying to make a three-hour jump. And you might get frustrated laying in bed thinking why I can't sleep and on and on. So just take it small and schedule it out and just continually hack away at it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And one thing I do want to emphasize is no food three hours before you go to bed because that's just, uh, I know that came out of nowhere, but I just read that in my notes, so I got it out. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you taking the time today, Julian. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure to be here. I, I, um, I, hope some, I hope your listeners get a lot of value out of this. And if they ever have any kind of questions, definitely feel free to reach out to me. Yeah, or... I was going to say, if you need to reach out to Julian, his email will be in the show notes along with his website, his book, and and his website information, book, and email address. Also, there the notes from the today's show will be in the show notes. And one thing I ask, a question I have for all my listeners, and I know you're, a, a, this is, what artist or you're in the heart of of Nashville so what artist or album would you listen to if you had an hour to kill uh, this is tough I, I listen to music about five to six hours a day because it's always playing when I'm working oh man it's going to be Marvin Gaye Marvin Gaye it's going to be Marvin I love Gaye it. he's it Marvin Gaye's in my book he's uh I've read like four books on him I, I've listened to his most obscure albums. You know, he wanted to originally be a ballad singer. I yes, listened he did. to that. Yeah, I I actually like that one, which, you know, it's it's I think a lot of people should go listen to it. It's called Vulnerable. Yeah. 
right. off the top of it. Yeah, Vulnerable is good. Um, but I had to pick an album. That's tough, but uh, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm, I'm a big softie and a romantic. So I'm going with uh, his album called I Want You. Okay. Um, the reason why I like that album is because he got in a lot of trouble at that time. Like people didn't like that album at first because it was so different than what people were doing at that time with soul. Right. And now it's recognized as one of his best albums. And the art, the artwork on the album is, I love it. Um, I love the artist who did that artwork and it's, um, it's just great. I I think he was, that, at that time, Detroit was the big soul capital of the United States. And he was told not to record that by many people. Oh, oh, you're talking about, um, so... Oh, is that, the, am I on the wrong album? Yeah, so you're talking about the one that he, that he fought to get recorded. That was uh, What's Going On. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, yeah. What, what's going on. Yeah, so he, yeah, because he was... He did a lot of the doo-wop songs before then. And then all of a sudden he started talking about the Vietnam War and what's right. going on based off his brother. And, you know, he proved very wrong. So right. if you read the book, people, yeah, man. You'll, get that, you'll get that story. Yeah, that's, man. That's, 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 I, that's what I, I think that's where I read that. Is it in your <laughs> yeah, book? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, wrote, I, I, wrote, I wrote part of that story to make, a, um, to make an analogy about sometimes you just need to have the belief in yourself yeah before anything else so yeah the album i talked about was in 1975 ish yeah and so um the producer also that album i really like him i'm a huge fan of him so in my in my past life i think i was some kind of r&b singer maybe and (laughs) in this life i i can't sing so if i write a lot that's the closest thing i can get to singing and then make a bunch of music analogies that tie into health and fitness yeah, well, you're an incredible writer, and I love what you're doing for the health and fitness realm, and 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 especially, I mean, you you kind of I don't want to put you in a niche, but you focus on entrepreneur. A lot of your focus is on busy entrepreneurs and busy mm-hmm. uh, corporate executives. Yeah, it's because I, I I think I guess the way I look at entrepreneurs is not necessarily it's almost like a mindset to be creative, right? to go create something. And the way I see it is like, if I can inspire these people to take care of their health more, then they're able to create better and, better, and right. greater work. And then they're going to affect more people. And there's just huge domino chain. Well, I appreciate everything you do in this health realm. And uh, thank you for popping on here with me. You're an awesome dude. I, maybe our paths will cross. If you're ever to Atlanta, look me up. Definitely. We'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll go have a talk and a coffee and, uh, if I get to Nashville, I'll look you up. Please do. It was a pleasure to be here. All right. Thank you, bro. Take care. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.